0: Welcome back to Core Anesthesia. Whether you are a student prepping for tests and boards or a CRNA here to earn CEUs, we are glad you've joined us. For more about us, make sure to check us out on Instagram at coreanesthesia and online at coreanesthesia.com.
1: Welcome back to Core Anesthesia. I'm Cole here with Tanner. And today we wanna discuss pain transmission, specifically the anatomy on how stimuli go from the periphery through the spinal cord, up to our brain, and what our body does to combat the the painful stimuli and what kind of medications that we can give to decrease the amount of pain that's being sensed by the brain. And so again, we're going to do this from a high arching view. We're not going to go into a lot of specifics on different types of treatment because we could talk for hours on this topic, but we want to do a 25, 30 minute overview on how the pain is transmitted up to the brain and what we can do to try to limit that pain.
0: First thing we want to talk about is the type of fibers that will be involved. First, we have the A delta fibers. So these are small, fast transmitting myelinated fibers, and these will transmit your sharp pain. These are triggered by strong mechanical pressure and intense temperature. The other thing you have are C fibers. These are very slow transmitting. They're unmyelinated nerve fibers. And this is what you typically think with your chronic pain. These transmit the dull or aching pains. These will be stimulated by mechanoreceptors, and then these also have chemoreceptors as well. You have these fibers that come in from the periphery, and if you recall what your spinal cord looks like, you have basically the H shape there that is the gray matter. The afferent fibers will be coming in. They will have their cell body and the dorsal root ganglion, and they will enter on the dorsal horn And so then on the ventral side, you have your efferent fibers that are exiting the spinal cord. There you'll have your motor neurons. And then in between the ventral horn and the dorsal horn, that's where you'll have your interneurons and a mix of afferent, efferent fibers. And so the anatomy is really important to think about because as these fibers are coming in from the periphery and coming in through the dorsal root of the spinal cord, you need to think about how these tracks are getting to the brain and different tracks will cross over in different areas of the spinal cord. And so specifically when we're trying to isolate these pain pathways so that we can interrupt these pain pathways, it's important that we have a good understanding of what the anatomy looks like. The gray matter is divided into different sections. Think of it like a state is divided into different counties, or when you think about the dermatomes, how you look at the individual and you can see the different areas that are innervated by the specific areas of the spinal cord. It's kind of how the gray matter is subdivided. So these different lamina have different fibers synapsing to the second order neurons. We're not going to go crazy in depth on this discussion. What you need to know is that for pain, we're specifically interested in lamina one through five. But again, why this is important is because when we try to interrupt these pain pathways, these different lamina are going to be some of the places that we can concentrate our efforts to hopefully block the pain pathway.
1: Yeah. So as Tanner was saying... Once these signals come in from the periphery, when they approach the spinal cord, the dorsal side has a ganglion. And so we call it the dorsal root ganglion. And at that point is where the cell bodies are of these afferent fibers. The pain stimuli is going to come up through this A delta fiber or the C fiber from a dendrite, and it will go to the cell body of this first order neuron. And that cell body is in that dorsal root ganglion. From there, it extends the signal out through the axon, which goes into the spinal cord. When it reaches the spinal cord, these axons can go up or down one or three spinal cord segments and what's called the tract of the sour. And what this does is a single stimuli coming in can maybe split into one or three of these segments and have three different types of signals coming up from there versus just one signal. So that's just something to keep in mind that the signal can still be transmitted up to the brain from a segment of the spinal cord that's one to three segments higher or lower from where the initial stimuli is coming in. And from the periphery where the signal is first noticed up into this point where we've gone into the spinal cord, up or down one or three segments, is all a first-order neuron. At this point, we're going to synapse into the second-order neuron.
0: Next, we're going to talk about some of the tracks that are within the spinal cord. These are bundles of axons within the CNS that have the same origin and they have the same termination as well. And so when you have a bundle of these axons running together, this will be a tract that moves either uh, up the spinal cord or you can also have them running down the spinal cord connecting different parts of your CNS. When we talk about the pain track, we're really talking about the anterior lateral or the spinothalamic track. You'll hear both of those terms used. And they are the same thing anterolateral or the spinothalamic tract. And then the other main tract that we'll talk about today is the dorsal tract. And we'll get into that here in a little bit.
1: Perfect. So, when we're talking about this anterolateral tract that's going to send pain signals up to the brain, we're specifically talking the second order neurons in this case. The first order neuron is going to synapse with the second order in the lamina of this dorsal horn. And it's going to cross over. So the second order neuron is going to cross over to the contralateral side, the opposite side of the spinal cord, and then run up this anterolateral track all the way up to the thalamus. Some of them also go to the reticular formation as well. And at this point is where they're going to synapse with what we consider the third order neuron. And the third order neuron basically sends the stimuli even further from the thalamus and projects up into the cerebral cortex where we have the final perception of the pain that we are sending signals through.
0: When you think about the spinothalamic tract, it splits into two main categories. So again, like we talked about earlier with the different types of fibers, you either have your fast acting, which is your sharp pain, and then you also have fibers that are your slow, chronic type pain. The literature will describe this as the neospinothalamic, which is your A-delta fast fibers, and then you have the paleospinothalamic, which is your C fibers, that's going to be your chronic pain.
1: And it's just important to note with the speed of conduction, going back to what we talked about in our last talk on local anesthetics, the A delta fibers are myelinated, whereas the C fibers are not. And that's what makes the biggest difference in terms of the speed of this this conduction.
0: So that's your main pain pathway. We also want to talk about where you will have another sensory pathway, and this is your dorsal column tract. These will be your main receptors for proprioception, reception and that's going to be in like your muscle spindles, your Golgi bodies. So, that will identify stretch in those areas, prevent injury. And then also, if you have touch pressure, sustained pressure, this is what allows for two-point discrimination. So, these are going to use the receptor, the Merkel cells, the Raffini endings, Meissner corpuscles, that's what's going to be your two-point discrimination, and then also your Paxinian corpuscles. The dorsal column tract is divided into two specific tracts. So you have the cuneatus, which is your upper limbs and torso, and then you have your gracilis, which is your lower body. So it's important to make a distinction here because the way that these ascend to the brain is different than in your anterior lateral tract. The first order neuron is going to come in through the dorsal root and will immediately ascend on the same side, so the ipsilateral side up to the medulla. Here in the medulla, it will synapse with your second-order neuron. And here in the medulla is where you have the crossover, and then it goes to the thalamus on the contralateral side. So the crossover on the anterior lateral tract was immediately where you had your innervation from your first- to second-order neurons. Here, it's going to go up to the medulla, and then switch over to the contralateral side, and then go to the thalamus. From there, the third order is just like your lateral tract where it will go up to the somatosensory cortex uh, before it has your efferent pathways begin.
1: So this distinction is important to note when you have a patient that might have a spinal cord injury on one side or a tumor on one side, etc. Because let's say that the the injury is below the medulla on the left side of the spinal cord. Well, I'm not going to be able to sense pain from the right side below that injury because that second order neuron is already crossed over and is coming up the left side. And then it reaches that spot where I have the injury and that signal will not be able to go through. However, I will still be able to have my sense of fine touch and proprioception from that right side and the lower extremity. Because as Tanner just said, that first order neuron continues up the right side and is not crossed over to the left side until it's already reached the medulla.
0: So again, to recap, your anterior lateral tract will be your pain temperature, your dorsal tract will be fine touch, pressure, vibration, and then also your proprioception.
1: We started with transduction, and that's where we've taken the the painful stimuli and converted it into chemicals that we can send as an action potential up to the brain. Transmission is the actual action potential that occurs that that signal is sent through the first order, second order, and third order neurons from the initial stimuli up to the brain. And now that we're at the brain, we have perception of the pain, how we feel about the pain, how it affects our response when it reaches that cerebral cortex. A fourth part that we want to talk about now is called modulation. So it's basically how that signal is modified, either augmented or inhibited, as it advances from the original stimulus up to the brain. So the next thing we want to talk about is modulation, which is the process of either inhibiting or augmenting the transmission of the pain stimuli anywhere between our first order, second order, or third order. How this works is our brain will send a descending inhibitory pathway that begins in the aqueductal gray and rostroventral medulla. And it's going to send a signal down to, if you remember, the substantia gelatinosa, which is the site of of our first synapse between the first-order neuron and the second-order neuron. So the goal here is to prevent the neurotransmitter's released from the first-order neuron from getting to the second-order neuron and continuing the signal up to the brain.
0: And just so we're clear, we're talking about the anterior lateral tract, not the dorsal tract. Yeah, it's a good point to note.
1: So this pathway will release norepinephrine and serotonin, and it will act on inner neurons as well. And these interneurons will will in caffeine, which does two things. One, it prevents calcium from going into the presynaptic terminal of the first order neuron. And by decreasing the amount of calcium that goes into those terminals, it'll then decrease the amount of neurotransmitter that is released from that first order neuron. Secondly, it will decrease the chances of that second order neuron having a successful stimuli being transmitted through the neuron. And what I mean by that is, is it will decrease or hyperpolarize the cell membrane of that second order neuron and make it harder for a signal to actually reach a threshold potential for that second order neuron. And it does that by manipulating the potassium channels. So two things, just to recap, it prevents calcium from binding to the first order neuron. So you can't release neurotransmitters. And it also makes it harder for that second order neuron to even get a stimulus to successfully go through it.
0: When it's reacting with that presynaptic neuron. So the first order neuron, it acts on that G protein and reduces the amount of calcium. What this is doing is decreasing substance P from being released. That's your neurotransmitter that will go to your second order neuron and cause again, another action potential. So substance P is inhibited there with the serotonin acting on that presynaptic neuron.
1: So some other ways that we can prevent the pain from being transmitted is to give the patient different types of drugs. The first one that comes to mind obviously are opioids and they'll do the same thing that we just talked about with the natural opioids by preventing the first order neuron from releasing the neurotransmitters or the second order neuron from sending the signal through. So additionally opioids also act up in the brain in areas such as the medial thalamus, amygdala, your limbic cortex, and they help with decreasing the perception of the pain stimuli that actually get up there as well.
0: That one's pretty easy to understand since we just went through how our own body has this release of endogenous opioids. We can also give opioids that can work on these mu, delta, and kappa opioid receptors and therefore decrease the pain sensation. The rest of these that we're going to talk about is just along the pain pathway, different things that propel this pain pathway forward. We're going to try to block at different points and try to minimize the pain. So the first thing that we can do is to do nerve stimulation. The idea here is that in a healthy patient, you have these inhibition systems like we just talked about with the efferent pathways, that will prevent you from having continuous pain. The thought is with people with chronic pain, this pathway is broken. And so what we can do with the nerve stimulation is basically try to compete with those nerves, those nociceptors, compete with non-painful stimulation to then Diminish the amount of painful stimulation that is going through this pathway. It's the same kind of thing like when you stub your toe or you injure your arm and you grab it real fast and you hold pressure or you rub your muscle that's aching. That's the same thing where you're just competing with the painful stimuli. We do that without even thinking about it, but that's the idea
1: behind this nerve stimulation. Additionally, we can use medications such as alpha 2 agonists. So, if you recall from our ANS discussion, Clonidine and Presidex are two alpha-2 adrenergic receptor agonists. And a side effect that we talked about when we initially talked about the alpha-2 receptors is that they inhibit adenyl cyclase and that decreases your cyclic AMP levels. Well, when this medication binds to alpha-2 receptors in the central nervous system, it has a similar effect to what our opioids would do at this spot as well by decreasing the amount of calcium that can influx into the terminals of the presynaptic neuron, as well as altering the membrane potential of the postsynaptic neuron with the potassium channels to then make it harder for that signal to be brought forward and transmitted through the second neuron. So it has a similar effect to what we discussed with the opioids in terms of having the effect on both the presynaptic and the postsynaptic neurons.
0: Another thing that we can give is steroids, and this is primarily working on the transduction part of the pain pathway. What this does is all the prostaglandins that are there during a trauma or an injury, steroids are anti-inflammatory, and they inhibit these prostaglandins. So when doing that, there's less stimulation to these first-order neurons, and therefore we can try to inhibit the pain response.
1: And when we give these steroid injections, oftentimes people, I don't know, will get a steroid injection into their hip to reduce their hip pain. And this really is only a temporary measure. It's only going to last for maybe a couple months, and then you're going to to repeat them and repeat them. So this isn't a long-term fix, but it's something that you'd have to renew Same thing of local anesthetics, it's a very short-term fix. As we talked about in our previous episode, this blocks the voltage-gated sodium channels in the axons of these neurons and prevents the signal from being sent down the axon. And again, this is going to be very short-term for fixing the pain. Another drug that we can do uh, is NSAIDs, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And the goal here is to decrease the amount of prostaglandin from being produced. While prostaglandin isn't the initial trigger for the pain pathway, it contributes to hyperalgesia, which is an elevated response to the pain. So we limit the amount of prostaglandins present in this inflamed tissue. We are then going to limit the response to the painful stimuli that's there. So with that pathophys in mind, it makes sense that NSAIDs aren't going to completely get rid of the pain, but they're going to help decrease the amount of pain that's there.
0: Another one we want to talk about is ketamine. So this is often used for induction and anesthesia. We can also use it to treat pain. And the mechanism of action on this one is it's a non-competitive NMDA antagonist. And so this has been associated with, when you talk about wind up with these pain pathways, basically that means the upregulation of these NMDA receptors, which makes them hyperexcitable. And so this pain pathway is much easier to initiate. So the ketamine will help prevent that. And then it also has anti-inflammatory effects as well.
1: Awesome. And the next thing we want to talk about is antidepressant medications. So these SSRIs or SNRIs, they're selective serotonin or selective norepi reuptake inhibitors. So they prevent those neurotransmitters from being reuptake by the presynaptic terminal. And if we keep these neurotransmitters present then by giving these medications, they're going to enhance the inhibitory pathway that we talked about where the main neurotransmitters of those pathways are norepi and serotonin. So if we are giving SSRIs or SNRIs, it's going to Increase the amount of neurotransmitter that's present at the end of those pathways to then block the signal being transmitted between the first order and the second order neuron.
0: The last one we want to talk about is methadone. So, this is a synthetic opioid. It's used for the treatment of severe acute pain in addition to chronic pain. We've frequently seen this in the ICU if you have somebody that comes in with chronic pain. This is a racemic mixture of two enantiomers that have different mechanisms of action. One of them will antagonize the NMDA receptor, which we talked about that when we discussed ketamine, and then also inhibit serotonin and norepinephrine reuptake, which as we discussed, that will have implications for your synapse from the first order to the second order neurons within the CNS. And then the other one is going to bind to the opioid receptors. Again, like we talked about when we discussed opioids, you have your mu, delta, and kappa receptors and it'll have its effects there by binding to those opioid receptors. With all of this, it's important to remember your anatomy, remember how these neurotransmitters are initiated and how they move from neuron to neuron. You begin from the very peripheral where you have your transduction, transmission up through the CNS perception in the cortex, and then modulation is your effect or response to that pain pathway. When you remember that whole pathway in order, you can then begin to think, where can we break this process? Where can we manipulate this process to stop that pathway from achieving the final result of pain? Once you understand the anatomy and you understand the physiology of how this is being uh, carried out, then I think it's easier to understand the different methods of pain management that we have available for us to use.